And here we go. Live on a Friday from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. It's overtime with William Patterson, Dawson Wise, and Jordan Moore joining you. Um, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join our conversation. Um, Great first hour. Let's continue it in the second. Um, We'll take a look at the weekend slate in college basketball here in a minute. A couple big games. We'll talk about who needs the win more, who's on upset alert. Um, And we'll also take a look at the Los Angeles Clippers in the NBA. The All-Star break is over. We're back into the NBA action. Uh, Can the Clippers clip down the nets? We'll discuss later on. We'll also take a look at the Dallas Mavericks, who are demanding attention after a a big one last night over Dawson's team. Tough one. (laughs) Uh, But we begin with this, and it's the college basketball weekend look ahead. And it's hard to believe, college basketball fans, but next next week at this time it will be official. Uh, that it is March uh, with the men's season in its home stretch. There are just a few opportunities remaining for teams to earn quality wins. It's also the time of year when teams want to be playing their best, though not many are actually doing so with the tournament right around the corner. We saw Arizona drop at home last night where they've been so dominant. Uh, Washington State plus 13. Great pick by us, by the way. Yes, exactly. Washington State plus 13 comes into town. Keep the points. We won outright. Um but Saturday's game or Saturday features a pair of top 25 clashes, an ACC doubleheader involving the foursome currently at the head of the standings, and the number one team seeking a bounce back performance at home in prime time. Uh, let's take a look at the top 25 matchups. You've got number two Houston heading to number 11 Baylor. This is a team Dawson and uh, in, in Baylor that you think is a little bit overevaluated. Um, have an opportunity uh, to get a big win, a signature win for the Bears at home. Um, in the SEC, you've got number 13, Alabama, looks to stay hot against number 17, Kentucky, who desperately needs to recover from Wednesday's surprising upset at LSU. This Kentucky team has been uh, – got their best win of the season against Auburn. You thought they were back. They lose to LSU. Um, ranked teams have struggled on the road this season. Uh, we've seen it time and time again. Uh, who needs this win more? Is it Baylor or Kentucky? It's got to be Kentucky, right? Uh, I mean, you have all that momentum coming out of Auburn. You fall flat on the road against an LSU team that, you know, quite frankly, it's just it's not that they're a bad team. They're just not a great team. I mean, for, for the talent that Kentucky has, you have no business losing to LSU, even on the road. Um, and so you need this one. You drop this one to Alabama, all of a sudden you go from beating Auburn and, wow, everything's great, we're doing fine, you know, things are back on track to we've lost two in a row. Uh, and how your questions about this Kentucky team, mainly defensively, I think, uh, have returned. Uh, what better way to solve your questions about your defense than to to beat an offense in Alabama that's one of the most prolific in the country? Uh, and especially with them coming into your building, it's going to be a good atmosphere at Rupp. Uh, their fans will get up for this game yeah. like they always do. Um, and so this is a, a huge this is a huge opportunity for them to show that they can manage teams defensively because I mean we talked about it with their loss to LSU uh, and again in their loss to us at Rupp where we had 103 points that their defense just isn't very good mm-hmm. and it's a liability for them um, and it could end up ending their season early in March if it continues to be an issue. So I think they need this one more. Baylor for them, I think they greatly benefit from this one. But to me, it feels like Kentucky is in the desperate need category for this game. Jordan. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely Kentucky uh, reeling after that tough loss against LSU. Like he said, after you know beating Auburn the way that they did handily, uh, I think it's definitely Kentucky. And the, I also throw the aspect of for it being Kentucky is for John Calipari and yes. the fan base. Yes. Uh, that aspect of it too. Uh, I mean, he's that seat's getting warmer and warmer. Uh, and they're they're ready to run him out of town. So for him, uh, just to kind of get the fan base off him a little bit, uh, it's definitely to me it's Kentucky. Ba- Baylor, um, they've been struggling of late shooting the basketball. They were red hot to begin the year, and they've started cooling off uh, since really the beginning of January. Uh, they're pretty much locked into the NCAA tournament. Kentucky's locked into the NCAA tournament too. But if they continue to struggle down the stretch, uh, you know they could potentially, I don't want to say fall out, but drop multiple line seeds. Uh, Tomorrow night, though, uh, Kentucky's actually favored by one and a half right mm-hmm. now on the yep, spread. They are. Um, and the over-under is 176 and a half. So that's going to be something to watch I because that's that's two teams that are all about offense or yeah. right. shoot the basketball a ton. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Kentucky at home, they shoot the lights out, as we saw when we went up there. The Dillingham kids shot the ball really, really well. Uh, and Alabama's defense has been better, but it's still not great. Um, so it should be a high-scoring, fun game. But I think it's definitely Kentucky, definitely at home with it being Kentucky too. Yeah. Uh, well, you talk about two really good offenses. These are teams that also struggle on the defensive end. Alabama 72nd um, in adjusted defense, Kentucky 78th. Um, so uh, offensively, these teams are both in the top ten. These guys can play def- or play offense, um, but defensively they struggled. And for Kentucky – um, that's really been their Achilles heel. I mean, against Gonzaga, not able to get stops. Um, against uh, uh, LSU, they suffocate a, a 23-5 run in the second half, allows the Tigers to get back in that one. Um, I, I think this is Kentucky as well. Um, these in my This game right here features the two boom-bust teams from the SEC. I think on any given night, if these offenses are rolling, they could be anyone in the country. But on the other side, if these, if these teams aren't shooting well, especially in the tournament, um, a, a Grand Canyon, a McNeese State, a, a lot of these mid-major teams could definitely upset either of these teams um, just with their ability to be balanced on both sides of the ball. And, and if, if these Kentucky and Alabama aren't shooting well, uh, you saw the other night against, against Florida and Alabama. Alabama opened that one one of 17 from three. They were trailing for a majority of that game. Now – they did get it back going. They were able to hit some shots down the stretch to, to give them the win and the lead. Um, but, you know, come tournament time, either of these two teams are not able to hit it from the, you know, the three-point line uh, or, or get buckets offensively. Both these teams could be upset. Um, I think Kentucky needs the win more than anyone this weekend uh, with the way their season has uh, slowly trickled down. Um, this team's too talented to not be – um, a, a good basketball team, especially with all the guys. I mean, Rob Dillingham is incredible to watch. Reed Shepard is a, a sharpshooter. Uh, Wagner's in a little bit of a rut right now. Um, but, I mean, this team's too talented to be, not be winning games. And um, I, I think they have to win this one, especially at home. Uh, I, I just think that the way they've been sliding, this is, this is kind of their chance, like Auburn was last week, to kind of rejuvenate themselves uh, reinstill that confidence that hey we are a good basketball team we can get big wins um have to get it done at home uh, they, they've lost a couple of key ones at home as well and you know as we mentioned earlier in the show on our aspect of it we need kentucky to win yeah because we you know, yeah as, really can you know, use that yeah as you know the sec regular season title you know you kentucky wins that game they beat alabama you beat a&m your first place heading into mm-hmm. the last two yeah. weeks of the season mm-hmm. And we, you mentioned Calipari a minute ago. We, we had a brief discussion about this a couple of days ago, um, talking about 
Calipari's status as a uh, head coach for this team. And I saw something, I don't know if it was Rivals or 24-7, they put out um, a couple of coaches that are kind of on the hot seat going into this summer, or I guess not the summer, going into the offseason. Uh, Penny Hardaway, uh, Jawan Howard, um, and then Calipari was on the list as well. I understand Hardaway and, uh, and Howard. Calipari surprised me a little bit. Do you think if they don't, if they're not able to have any success come March, let's say they lose first round, is this is that a fireable offense for Calipari? I would say yes because since what was about 2018, 2019, I think Grant Admiral's last year, Tennessee's been a better basketball program. Uh, when you look at it statistically, more wins, more in state tournament wins, uh, more SEC championships than than Kentucky, and they're not going to let that happen. Yeah, uh, they're not going to let that program not be talked about in the SEC, not be talked about you know nationally. And so I also think that especially last season, and I haven't really, really dug into Kentucky this year to look at it, but specifically last season with them struggling, Calipari has not been good at adjusting to modern basketball. Um, they shot no. a lot of mid-range shots last year, and I haven't really checked on it this season to see if maybe he's twerked it a little bit, or tweaked it a little bit, excuse me, but um, uh, that's an aspect of it too. I, I think, especially with the NIL era, I think the the landscape of college basketball and the game of college basketball has started to kind of pass him by. I, th- I think between Calipari and Rip Barnes, you see two different uh, looks at basketball coaches in modern basket in modern sure. basketball. Calipari, on one hand, hasn't adjusted very well to not being able to get all the best players like he gobbled up for a decade at Kentucky. Uh, he's got good players, but he doesn't have the lottery top ten littered picks like he used to have. Um, I mean. He doesn't have an Anthony Davis. He doesn't have a Tyler Hero. No. He doesn't have DeMarcus Cousins, Carl Anthony Towns. Go down the list. He doesn't have that on that team. It's more spread out. Like we were talking about in the break, the Klingon kid. Ten years ago, he's going to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, Brandon Miller last year. Yep. Ten years ago, he's going to Kentucky. Uh, so NIL and the landscape of the transfer portal has changed that for him. And then the modern basketball, the way games have been played today, he's not adjusted to very well. That's changed that for him. But then you look at Rick Barnes on the other end. He's adjusted to modern basketball, mm-hmm. um, so I definitely think he would be on the hot seat because their fans are not going to. Their fans are not. It's kind of like Alabama football, you know. If it starts to slip, they're ready for a change. They're ready to move on. It's the same yep. thing with Kentucky basketball fans. They they want to be on top every single time, and it doesn't matter what has happened in the past. It's about this season. I think he hit in the recruiting cycle in high school this year. However, a couple of his transfers have not hit. Um, and you talk about adapting to the new age of, of college athletics, and it's the transfer portal. Uh, you know, I, I think immediately of, of Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. Look at their success recently. Hasn't been exactly. much yeah. um, because he's inept to adapting to uh, the new age of, of college sports. Um, you know, I, the Trey, was it Trey Mitchell for Kentucky, uh, the guy that came over from Western, Western Virginia? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He, I, I really liked him out of the portal. He's kind of been a flop, um, just not that impact player they thought they were getting. I think the difference between Tennessee and Kentucky this year is Tennessee hit on their portal guy, you know, and Connect being a 20-point a score a night uh, during the season, 25-point a night uh, score in the conference play. Um, and also, I also look at Kentucky lacks a, a foundation consistently year in and year out bringing in and very similar to Memphis and Arkansas this year. You know, they lose a ton of guys. They go all in on the portal. They don't have any returning pieces to, to have any foundation. Kentucky, since it's not really the portal, it's bringing all these freshmen in, um, and very talented freshmen that is, but they're lacking um, like a Tyler Eulis or, or like a guy that's been there for a while um, that kind of gels everyone together. 
Um, and, and Reeves is great. Um, but, you know, I, they're lacking that dominant interior presence that all those great Kentucky teams have had. You mentioned Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins. They really don't have that. What, what What's the name of the guy they have right I now? He was a five-star guy, I though. I him as Big Z. I don't know. No, not Big about? Z. The um, the other guy. He was a, a, a another five-star. Um, he, he's, I mean, hasn't been that big of an impact. Um, but it's not that same dominant threat like a Cousins and Davis were. Um, and really, even a Willie Cauley Stein, he was really, really big for them as well. Um, and I, was around a couple of years too. Yes, yes, he was. Yes, he was. So I think there, are, there's a collection of things involved. And I think for these, some of these older coaches, it was a little bit harder to adapt um, because of the way they've done things. Rick Patino, for instance, I know he just got into a new spot in St. John's, um, had to get a whole different team, and that's what it is nowadays. You know, uh, a coach leaves, everyone leaves. You got to, you know, fill it up with portal guys. Um, but you see the frustration Patino's had. You know, uh, this this past Sunday, uh, vocally shaming his players, saying um, you know they're not laterally quick enough and all that. Um, I think for the, the older great coaches, is a little bit of a learning curve, and not all of them are there yet. I think Rick Barnes has done a good job adapting to it, though, um, and, and that's why you see the success. I'll add see it. Two, uh, two things real quick yeah. that I also think has hurt him. Uh, kind of goes back to what I was saying. Uh, one. I, we're talking about their defense now. It's the mindset of the AAU mindset. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Ball, yeah. You could tell the difference in the culture of what Barnes has built here yeah. of defense. He, he, he. There's a reason he only recruits a specific type of kid. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a reason that Calipari goes out, and it, it's not a kind of about the culture or the kid. It's about the talent in the kid, and he's brought a lot of the AAU mindset type of kids in who are all about the offense. Uh, that's hurt him as you see how bad they are on defense, and he can't get them to play defense because they kind of haven't mm-hmm. uh, growing up. And then the second thing, too, is going back to like when he had the talent of Anthony Davis and all those guys. That type, you, you saw it with Duke, and you saw it with North Carolina and even Kansas to an extent at that time. Uh, when you had that much talent on a team back then, eight ten years ago six years ago even um you could overcome some some bad performances on some not because you would just out talent mm-hmm. the other team well the nba style the steph curry style the, the three and rim offense is coming down to college basketball and now kind of taking it over um that that's a almost a talent minimizer mm-hmm. because if you're able to shoot threes at a high cliff the way alabama does you may be the most talented team over here but if this other team is shooting 45 to 50 percent from three which mm-hmm. some teams are right now that kind of minimizes the talent on the other end. Uh, so that's hurting him also is what I was talking about, like the modern style of basketball. Number one is teams ain't playing defense. Mm-hmm. And two, the modern style of basketball is hurting where he can't just flat out out-talent everybody ever, every single year because you have you have an equalizer now with a three-point shot. Yeah, and that, that brings uh, something up that I watched a couple weeks ago. It was um, UConn women's basketball coach uh, Gino Arima uh, was talking about the difference between European players and um, a lot of the American players that are pumped out now in these drafts. The AAU style, you know, they have like six games on a Saturday, right? And they'll practice maybe one time a week. The European kids, they'll practice four to five times a week for a game on Saturday. And not every, not every player coming into college basketball is an AAU guy that plays six games in those, you know, uh, those circuits where all the cameras are there they're running and dunking and throwing up threes but I think also some of that applies to some of these top kids as well they're so accustomed to playing that way that when they go to some of these schools um, you know it's it's new for them to be practicing defense and not practicing you know how many three-pointers we can hit in one minute in a fun drill that our coach said we could do there's a really good clip that you mentioned uh, that 
uh, you bringing that up. There's a really good clip out there. I think I shared it on my Twitter yesterday or the day before of Kobe saying the exact same thing yeah. you just said. They ask him what the problem is with American-born players now compared to the European players coming to America mm-hmm. and taking over the NBA. And what you said is exactly what he said. He said the European players are practicing their skills. Yeah. And they are practicing every day four or five times a week for a game. Mm-hmm. And we have coaches who go over there and do coaching clinics and they go to these camps and they practice the skill of basketball, whereas in America, we don't have that. Yeah. We have kids playing an AAU style of basketball all the time. All they care about is shooting. They don't care about ball handling or defense or learning how to play a pick and roll or learning how to play defense or the aspects of the game. All they care about, they care about is offense. Yeah. Uh, so that's a very good point. Yeah, and not to get off on a, on a complete tangent here on Kentucky, but I, I do I think I do think it's interesting that um, he's kind of on the hot seat now in a game. Uh, and tying this back into our conversation, in a game against Alabama, um, a lot could be on the line, a lot at stake for this Kentucky team as they continue to dwindle down the seeding. Um, this is a, a get-right spot for them, um, a, a really a must-win spot for Kentucky. And I, I think we all agree uh, they need it more. Um, now, going over to the ACC, uh, two intriguing matchups. Uh, number 7 Duke heading to Wake Forest, who put up 91 against Pittsburgh. Uh, the other night, um, and I, I bet on Pittsburgh. That, that was a, a bad bet there. Um, but number nine, North Carolina, as well, heading to Virginia. And Virginia is one of the oddest teams in college basketball. Um, also bet on them against Virginia Tech. Um, one of the best defenses in the country, ninth in adjusted defense, but their offense is is at times very, very hard to watch. Um, and, and Wake Forest is undefeated in conference play at home, played Duke close in Cameron Indoor. Uh, who is on upset alert more in this one, UNC or Duke? Dawson? It feels like it's Duke. Uh, Wake Forest, their offensive firepower is what gives them the advantage here to me. Plus, I mean, the fact that they haven't lost yet on home court and conference play is insane. Uh, but, the, you know, they have the firepower to outmuscle Duke. Uh, whereas, you know, Duke's got some veteran guys, but I don't think this team for Duke is as good as last year's team was. Uh, and so I think Wake could just outscore them in this game. Yeah. Uh, whereas Virginia's offense is just not good enough to beat North Carolina. It's surprisingly uh, bad. North Carolina, you know, with Baycott and Davis and, and other producers, I mean, they're scoring triple digits. It seems like you know every couple weeks, it feels like they touch triple digits. Now, I don't think they will in this game, but all they got to do is outscore Virginia, and I don't think that's going to be very hard for them to do with just how poor Virginia's defense looks at times. They're not going to be able to muster the offense even if they do stop North Carolina. So for me. Uh, both have potential to be upsets, but for me, it's Duke on upset alert this weekend. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's definitely Wake Forest has been playing way better basketball here uh, lately coming down the stretch, and you know the analytics love them as a basketball team. Um, they're also, I think, if I remember correctly, today's Lenardi's update, they were first four out, one of the teams in the first four out, mm-hmm. so they need this game need to get one. in the NCAA tournament. Um, and they went toe-to-toe and really should have beat Duke in Cameron Indoor they should. Uh, about two weeks ago. Um, and it's going to be at home. They're already fitted at home, as you said. Um, so I, I think definitely Duke is the team that's on upset alert here. Wake, Wake's playing a lot better on the offensive end um, coming down the stretch. And, and Forbes is a really, really good basketball coach. Yeah, I'd go Duke here as well. Um, quickly touching on, on Virginia. Um, as great as their defense is, their offense is just – Horrible. I mean, let's be honest here. Um, other night against Virginia Tech, they had 14 points for mm, 10 minutes straight. Of I mean, they didn't, couldn't even put a bucket up. Um, and it, it just is, is weird how uh, up and down these Virginia teams are year in and year out. You know, last year it was the the just stupid turnover to lose that Furman game. Oh man! Um, but then a couple of years ago, they're 
you know, cutting down the nets and winning the national championship. And then the year before that, they're losing to UNBC. Um, so it's a really weird team. Um, but I'm, I'm surprised how bad their offense has been. Um, even in a win over Wake Forest a couple, uh, was it last weekend, they only put up 49 points. Um, so I, I think Duke's on upset alert in this one. Uh, Hunter Salas for Wake Forest averaging 18 a night. I, I think he's going to be the, the guy that puts Wake Forest over the edge in this one. As you all mentioned earlier, a team on the, on the bubble needs a win. Uh, play Duke very well at home, or well, I guess at Cameron Indoor, I should say. And I'm not completely sold on this Duke team either. Um, I, I think they're kind of going under the radar, and some t- and some people are like, uh, D- you know, Duke's getting no noise this year, but I think it's deservedly so. Um, they've had a couple of really tight ones at home. Clemson came in there and very well should have won. Um, Wake Forest was a team that went in there and played them really close. Pitt went in went into Cameron Indoor and beat them. Um, this is a, a Duke team that I like Filipowski. I like Roach. I like what they got in Proctor. Um, but I don't think they're – a, as dominant as some of these other teams in college basketball, um, like a Tennessee that can go in and play at home and, and beat the crud out of anyone. Um, you know, Arizona up until last night, I could have bragged on them about playing at home. But, yep. um, look, it, it's it's natural to slip up. Like, Purdue loses to Ohio State. UConn loses to a pretty good Creighton team. It's natural to slip up. But Duke doesn't have any of those dominant wins this year. Now, they, they, they had a nice win over Miami, but I, I think Miami is a little overrated considering that they went to the Final Four last year, also lost a lot of pieces. Um, but Duke's just one of those teams that has not really impressed me this year and hasn't really um, – they haven't impressed, but they also haven't given me any reason not to believe in them. I just think they're a okay team. I think they're just okay and good for, for multiple team standards. So I think Duke is uh, on more upset alert in this one. Now, let's talk about UConn, a, a team that lost to Creighton. A little bit of a surprising one. Creighton um, just handled business at home, and they were great. I think they match up really well with UConn. Um, have, you know, Kalkbrenner, who can match up with Klingon. Um and you know their, their guards and Baylor Schreierman and Ashford, um, those guys can can shoot really well and also um, uh, cause a lot of problems defensively too. Um, but the top team in the country, UConn, looking for a bounce back um, against Villanova, who's another team on the bubble. Do we expect UConn to cruise to the Wildcats in this one, Dawson? I do. Uh, this is a bounce back spot to beat all bounce back spots. I mean, I think this one to Creighton on the road kind of woke this team up. If they yeah. had to be woken up, mm-hmm. I think this loss did it for them. Uh, and in back in front of their home crowd, uh, I just don't expect them to to, to even make this one close. Uh, this, this is a this is the type of game they go and win by. 30, uh, 25-30, probably pretty easily and cruise through the entire second half. Uh, so many weapons, led by Donovan Clinigan. He has been outstanding for them this year. Uh, they have a number of guys that have been outstanding, but he's the star of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about them numerous times yeah. on here, and I, I still contend, even with that loss to Creighton, that they are the best team pound for pound in the country. Um, and so I think they bounce back. It, maybe Nova makes this one scrappy for a few minutes, but UConn's not going to be denied. They need a bounce back, and I think they're going to get one. Yeah, this is going to be a big bounce back for UConn, especially being at home, getting kind of embarrassed the way they did the other night. Yeah. Hurley's going to be all over that team. Um, I definitely expect them to to bounce back um, and, and get a get a pretty sizable victory. I would expect it probably to be in double digits. Uh, Ken Palm has them winning the game by at least 10 uh, for tomorrow night. So I think UConn's going to handle business. Yeah, I do as well. And, and you know, we're talking about in, in the break how dominant 
Um, I call him Donovan, or Dominant Donovan, not to be con- com- confused with Dominant DK, uh, but Dominant Donovan Klingen, um, I-, I think he's the best center in college basketball. I know that's maybe controversial to some people that don't watch basketball that much um, and just, you know, uh, just lope in the, the aura of Zach Eady. But Klingen, and as I was, you know, we were talking about um, during the break, um, his ability to defend in the pick and roll, especially against guards, is some of the best I've seen at the college basketball level. Um, and he makes it very hard, especially in that Marquette game. A, Mar- a very good Marquette team with two really good guards and um, some some uh, forwards and centers that can make some plays as well. Klingen was just a, a, a hole plugger every time. No way to get around him, uh, forcing contested shots, low percentage shots. Um, he's really good defensively. It's not talked about a lot because of his impact on the boards. Um, but since he returned to play uh, on January 28th, this is the number one team in power rating and a, a top five team offensively, top 12 in offensive rebounding. All of those aspects are direct reflections of, of Klingen and his impact for this team. Um, and, and some added fuel to the fire in this one. You got Dan Hurley all fired up now after the interaction he had with the Creighton fans. Um, so now I, I think he's going to be – I'm sure he'll look at the spread and, and, and make sure his team knows to win by more than that um, to make sure he's on, on everyone's good side uh, on Saturday. I think this should be a, a very convincing win. Uh, Villanova has scrapped and, and clawed to get to where they are now. Um, a couple of, of nice wins. Um, but I don't think this is a team that is going to be able to just be able to stop how good this UConn team is. And and they're very similar to last year's team uh, in terms of how this team is built. Um, you get a guy in Cam Spencer through the portal um, from Rutgers, a sharpshooter averaging 15 a night, one of their most impactful guys. Uh, last year's team, you go out and get Tristan Newton. Their point guard's still here now, um, but he was the, the pilot of that team, jailed everyone together. He was great. Um, you return pieces from last year's team this year. Uh, Donovan Klingen still remains. Alex Caravan. Um, uh, who's the other one? And Trisha Noon as well. Um, and then last year's team, you had Jordan Hawkins, who was so big in that in that finals uh, Final Four run. Um, Andre Jackson Jr., who went from kind of a, a nobody to a somebody, got drafted to the Bucks. Um, so, and then they hit in the in the recruiting class as well, getting a guy in Klingen last year. Um, and this year you get Stefan Castle, a five-star guard um, who's had some really big moments too. It's the same blueprint, and they're, and they're replicating their success once again, and they're really ahead of schedule. I mean, this team didn't get going until really this time last year. They've already been rolling since January. Um, this is a really good basketball team. Um, I, I think they have the, one of the best chances to go back-to-back really in a long time. Do uh, you all agree? I, I think so. Uh, just pound for pound again. I think they're the best talented team in the country. Yeah. Uh, and they're not – they don't – you know, they don't give me as much doubt as a team like Purdue does in the tournament um, because just how loaded they are at every every position it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. The, the two teams that I don't want to see in the NCAA tournament on our bracket is UConn by far and then Houston second. Houston, really? Yeah. Yeah, because of their length and their ability to defend – um, and, you know, the, that type of defensive style, as we've seen with kind of South Carolina, Mississippi State, bothers Tennessee, yeah. and I think they can match us athlete for athlete across the board. And Sheet is a very, very good player. Yeah, very underrated, very, too. Very, very good player. Um, so we, we've had this conversation, and I'll ask you the same, we've had this conversation a couple times this week, talking about the number one seeds. You've got UConn, Purdue, Arizona, Houston. Out of those four, if Tennessee were to be a two seed, who would you want to see them match up against 
Who, who would be the best matchup and the worst matchup uh, for the Vols in, in a possible scenario like that? I would say the worst matchup, uh, just because of style of play too, would be the Houston one. Uh, UConn's very close second. Um, but Houston's just defensively and just their athletes and their length uh, would really worry me with, with Tennessee. Uh, I would probably want to see – the easy answer is going to be Arizona. I would say Arizona for Tennessee. I think Tennessee matches up very, very well. Arizona, they're very, very similar. And the metrics across the board, they're very, a very similar team. But I, I think I'd want another shot at Purdue. As me and you were talking yeah. on the break, I mean, you know, I, I I think Tennessee had a shot to beat Purdue out in Maui. Uh, yes. They didn't shoot 40-plus yeah. free throws in that game. And I, <laughs> and I don't think – maybe I'm wrong. I don't think that he's going to – that Purdue or Ely are going to get – these type of calls consistently once the NCAA tournament. Because they seem to, once the NCAA tournament begins, they kind of seem to let them play a little yeah, bit more. as they should. As they should. Uh, so I, I would say Arizona won, and then Purdue's right there at 1B as who I'd want to play. And even, you know, remembering – uh, Zion Williamson, a, a similar polarizing figure in college basketball. They didn't give him the whistle in not. that Michigan State game. No, they did um, not. And, and really in that tournament as well, um, you know, the, the infamous taco fall and one he had. Um, but it was, you know, uh, the right call. But even in that game, he had struggled. Um, weren't getting those kind of ticky-tack fouls. You know, in the NBA, um, one of those ticky-tack fouls that are called in the regular season, they're not really called come playoff time. They kind of let them play. Very similar in March Madness, and I think – that does favor um, some of the teams that, like Tennessee, who allowed 40 free throws in that Maui game uh, very early on in the year. The rest are still getting acclimated as well. Um, yeah, and one have... point on the Maui thing too, Zakai wasn't Zakai. No, 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 that no. team wasn't the team it is now. No, no, no. not by any means. Not even close. I, I think that was a, a team trying to figure out where they stood with a new star and don't connect. And I think um, really up until uh, up into conference play, you were still trying to figure out everyone's roles. And I think for a couple of guys, I think Vescovi's still yet to really figure that out. Um, but I think uh, Ziegler found his role. Uh, Jonas Adu found his role. Uh, Ganey off, uh, as a spark plug off the bench when it's hitting, it's really good. But that's just kind of the risk you run. You know, uh, a shooter is gonna are gonna shoot. They're not always gonna hit them. But he found his role as well. Um, so I think early on in the year, you're just trying to figure out where everyone stood. And also Ziegler was coming off that injury still, his first mm-hmm. real um, basketball minutes and game minutes. So um, a, a different Tennessee team. I, I actually said Houston would be my my preferred team and. Um, I know they're great defensively. I do think they lack um, juice offensively, however, and I think Tennessee's defense would would bode well against that. And I think Tennessee's offense is a little bit stronger than theirs as well. Um, look, I mean, they're a really good defensive team. I'm not trying to discredit them for that, um, but I think they struggle offensively at times. And with Tennessee's defense, um, and she would be a guy you got to got to stay in front of. But Zakai Ziegler, that pest, um, I think would would bode well in that matchup. Um, so I said Houston, actually, and I, th- I think my most feared would be UConn. Um, you said Houston as well, correct? For what, most feared? Most, you know, the, the, the one you want to play. I thought I said Purdue, but I might okay. also say okay. Houston just because okay. of their lack of offense for Yeah, me. okay. Um, but, yeah, very interesting, very interesting you say that. Um, when we come back, we'll talk about the Clippers and, and move over to the NBA. Can the Clippers clip down the nets right here on Overtime? Are you in need of a smile makeover? Hi, 
I'm Dr. Michael Costa at Knoxville Smiles. And if you're ready to improve your smile, replace teeth that are missing, make your dentures tighter, add implants to your mouth, whatever you may need, we're here to discuss a wide range of easy, pain-free cosmetic and restorative procedures that can create a glowing, radiant smile that you've always dreamed of. Don't wait any longer. The time is now. Call us today at Knoxville Smiles and schedule your appointment at 865-539-1776 or go online to KnoxvilleSmiles.com. The superbly versatile all-electric EQB from Mercedes-Benz, a compact SUV that's full of big surprises. An optional fold-out third row offers luxurious comfort for up to seven occupants. And almost 24 cubic feet of cargo space means this compact SUV is big enough to handle anything you can throw at it or in it. You can set the tone any way you like with 64 color customizable ambient lighting throughout. And just like every other Mercedes-Benz EV, the EQB features the very latest generation MBUX voice activated tech. So whether you want to set a new destination, change the tunes, or tune up the heat, all you have to say is, hey Mercedes, this vehicle's all electric, the feeling's all Mercedes. Test drive the EQB today at your local dealer or learn more at MBUSA.com EQB. That's MBUSA.com EQB. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft last year. If you're in a bind, this tax season, LifeLock can help. They monitor and alert you to identity threats you'd miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become a victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issue. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help protect your financial info, so all you have to worry about is what you do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com, save up to 25% off your first year. The promo code is HERD, promo code H-E-R-D, to save up to 25% off your first year. LifeLock.com. Identity theft protection starts here. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at NorthKnoxSidingAndWindows.com. 7.30 I get those goosebumps every time, yeah. You come around, yeah. You ease my mind. You make everything feel fine. Back here on Overtime. Getting the goosebumps for the weekend. Nice. There we go. Uh, Right here on a Friday, it's overtime, Fan Run Radio. Um, Let's move over to the NBA now and and talking about the Los Angeles Clippers. 
uh, the praise for the L.A. Clippers and uh, All-Stars Leonard and Paul George was a consistent theme at the league's midseason showcase at thirteen, uh, at 36-17 and 17, heading into the All-Star break. Um, the Clippers were tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers for the NBA's fourth-best record at the break. It is the first time since 2013 that the Clippers have had a top-five record at the All-Star break and that season was the last time the team had a higher win percentage, um, 69, or it was a, a 69.6, I guess. So really 70%, they were 39 and 17, uh, than they do now, however. Um, but there's a lot of work ahead for the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers dropped a critical regular season finale to the Thunder uh, last night that marked a the tiebreaker between the two teams uh, below the Timberwolves in the Western Conference standings. Uh, the Clippers have the Timberwolves twice in March, have the opportunity um, to face off against them. But it kind of feels like we've seen this movie before from the Clippers. There's a lot of hype around them. Um, you know, they, they, they bring in these big-time acquisitions. This year it's James Harden. And you hear more and more about how the Clippers are – are going to finally take that next step. But they've been taking these steps ever since 2018 when they brought in Paul George and Kawhi. Yeah. And it's been just one – I guess I guess it was 2019, um, the 2019 offseason. But just more and more of they're almost there. Just wait till they're healthy. Um, and, and they're healthy this year. But they added James Harden and, and got rid of a lot of their great bench depth. Um, and Harden in the playoffs as of late – has not been very good. Um, last year, the Sixers had two games to close out the Celtics, and in both games, James Harden was terrible. Uh, in one game, he had nine turnovers in 12 points on like four of 15 shooting. Uh, that's not winning basketball. Um, now, they've got other guys around them, uh, around him, like Paul George and Kawhi. We know what they're capable of, but we're also weary of Paul George in the playoffs as well. Playoff P. Um, as he liked to, <laughs> likes to nickname himself, has also at times um, disappeared as well. Um, it feels like we've seen this movie before. Am I wrong on that? Also, I don't think you are. I think we saw this movie last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, they go get Russell Westbrook, and everybody's like, okay, this team is there. They've got all the guys that they need. You know, Westbrook's going to give them the spark that they need to get through the playoffs. They lose in round one to Phoenix in six games. And it feels like this team is headed that way again. It just doesn't feel like they – you know, have have gotten any better? Have gotten any more able to get past that first round? They haven't proven it yet as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're right in saying that we've seen this movie before. I don't like their remaining schedule either. It's not easy, yeah. um, and let alone they're losing to teams they have no business losing to, um, and they're losing to some of those teams in that like six through ten area in the Western Conference, which is who they're going to see in the postseason series. Uh, you know, the Lakers, the Suns, the Mavericks, the Kings, teams like that. They are losing to those teams. Not on a regular basis, but they're not beating them as regularly as they probably should as yeah. a two seed in the West. So uh, I think we've seen it before, uh, and any of those teams down there in that pile up, which is what we called it yesterday, I think could beat them in a series. Um, so I'll kind of give my opinion. You know, as I've told you, when like in the past year or two, I've kind of gotten back into the NBA. Sure. Uh, so I've kind of been focused on the Heat. Um, but I, you know, I've kept up with Kawhi, Paul George, and those guys from kind of what I took from what you said and knowing what I've understood from the past is it seems to me their success this case this season has come from they're healthy mm-hmm. yeah. uh Kawhi's healthy paul george is healthy True. Yeah. um and it also kind of seems like that westbrook has really kind of found his role taking a back seat taking yeah. a back seat instead of you know needing to be that starting guy who's holding the ball all the mm-hmm. time he's kind of taking a back seat and has kind of found his role coming off the bench uh yeah. 
Uh, my biggest takeaway, though, is Kawhi's been healthy. Paul George has been healthy. Another thing, Harden has come in, and he's kind of played his role. And as I understand, you know, this is Kawhi and Paul George's team. They've been here. Um, so I, I think they've kind of gelled together kind of miraculously, in my opinion, because I, me, knowing what I know about James Harden and Russell Westbrook, I never would have guessed this would mm. work with yeah, those no. guys all on the same team. I, you know, and But it's so far to this point, knock on wood, they've been healthy. Mm-hmm. And they've all played together in the way that they should be. Uh, and it seems like to this point, you know, it is kind of – they're what, third in the West right now? Second yeah, in the West? Uh, yeah, third. Third, yeah. So it kind of, kind of seems like to this point it, it is gelling together and working. Now, the downfall would be does Kawhi tweak a knee? Mm-hmm. Does somebody get hurt? Yeah. Or, you know, any, anything like that. Uh, and then once again, as you said, once they get into the postseason, Harden has been – you know, a failure in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul George has in the postseason. Westbrook, to some extent, has been in the postseason. But they do have the one guy who has been successful, and that is Kawhi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe he can kind of throw them on his back and kind of take them if he can stay healthy. Yeah, I didn't know they existed, but I have a couple friends that are Clippers fans that I met here <laughs> uh, once I got to Knoxville. And, um, you know, the, the, the same excuse they use is, William, if only we were healthy, you know, we could win the finals, right? Well, yeah, if I won the lottery, I could be, you know, I could buy whatever I want, but it hasn't happened and you don't have any examples of that happening. So, um until they are healthy and until we can see them getting to the playoffs healthy, I will not believe in this team. It's the same movie we've seen before. Um and it's look, it's not literally it's not really an X's and O's thing. It's just the fact that these guys can't all be on the court at one time. And I'm not preying on their downfall hoping they get injured. But you just haven't seen it. It's hard to trust in something you haven't seen when you've seen the same thing happen over and over again. Um, however, talking about on-court performance, uh, Tyron Liu was asked about the Clippers' recent success and said, quote, now we just have to put in and learn things offensively and defensively to be better. Uh, the focus on being better offensively is sometimes difficult to see uh, from this team that ranks third in offensive efficiency and first since December 1st, a span that has seen the Clippers compile the NBA's best record, uh, 28-8. and eight. Um, Have the Clippers already hit their peak, though, is my question. It's also. possible. Uh, I feel like they've kind of dipped on both ends of the floor the last few weeks especially. I don't think offense is as much of a problem. Um, but with them dropping some games to teams, again, that they should not be losing to over the past couple weeks and just – their defensive efforts, uh, I, I think you could say that. Their defense recently has not been good. If you look at some of these point totals, they're giving up. Uh, 129 to Oklahoma City. That was last night in a loss. 125 to Golden State. They won that game. She gave up 125 mm-hmm. points. It's not going to slide in the playoff series. 121 to Minnesota. 117 to New Orleans. 144 to the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, that was a win, but 144 to a Hawks team that is below 500. Uh, not going to cut it. And 125 to the Detroit Pistons, the worst team in the NBA. Uh, defensively, they're just not doing well enough right now, uh, at least not as well as they were doing earlier in the year uh, when they were racking up some of these wins. So I think it's possible. I don't know if they have peaked at this point, uh, but I think it's definitely something you have to look at. I think it's very possible, and that's a, group, a great point. Because once you get in the playoffs, you've got to be able to play some kind of defense. Yeah. Like you have you have to. Uh and those those type of numbers and that type of performance, that's not going to that's not going to slide once you get into a playoff series. And it goes back to and a thing to me that kind of has hurt Harden and some of these guys once they get into the postseason too, as we were talking about in the last segment, is how they call the game differently mm-hmm. and they allow you to get more physical. And sometimes that hurts some guys like a Harden, um, who all year long they let him get away with you know yeah. 
uh, getting to the free throw line because they call it, and then they get into postseason and they call it differently. Um, so I, I think it's easy, uh, to, conceivable to say that this team has probably already peaked to this point, especially if they don't fix the defensive end. Well, especially after the All Star break, you know, right before the months of January and February, I think are the the kind of down months of NBA basketball because um, everyone's kind of gearing up for the All Star break. They see the light at the end of the tunnel and know that once they get back from the break is when you've really got to start getting, um, you know, playing your best basketball right before the playoffs. And, um, you know, last night you saw the, the Thunder beat this Clippers team. And, and as we move in, into a, a possible uh, weakness of this team, I, I think it's their physicality and teams they face that are physical with them. Um, James Harden doesn't like physicality. You know, his whole career has been kind of um, handicapped by his flopping and, and um, using – imaginary contact to draw fouls um last night Lou Dort picked him up before he even crossed the half court line first play of the uh, first offensive possession for the Clippers turnover two points for the uh, for the Thunder um that pressure and physicality is something that a lot of these guys don't like to play uh James Harden's not a very hard-nosed guy um Paul George is kind of fragile in himself um Kawhi's a really good defender uh, but if you put enough pressure on him defensively, um, he struggles there as well. Westbrook, in his prime, would be able to get through this. Um, at this stage in his career, I don't think so. And Zubak is a very nice offensive piece. Uh, defensively, as a center, is not very good. Uh, a stat I pulled up from, from last night's game, um, the Thunder scored 26 points on possessions after a steal or rebounded block last night. Um, so where they're getting physical with the Clippers, and when teams get physical with the Clippers, uh, they have the opportunity to take advantage, and last night the Thunder did. And that's why you see 129-107 advantage for them in last night's game. Um, so I, I think that this team has hit their peak already, and now teams are trying to kind of lock back in, get ready for the playoffs. We're going to play a little bit more intense on the defensive side of the ball, and as a result, you're going to see teams like the Thunder – who, granted, are a younger team, have more guys with motors able to do that. Um, but they were able to make the, the Clippers uncomfortable in a, a really big game. The Clippers knew it was a big game. They knew they had to come out and win, and win that one. Um, however, they don't. And that's because the Thunder came out and made them uncomfortable defensively, um, which is in a game now that is so dominated by offense. Really physical defense like the Thunder displayed last night. That's how you win games. And, and um, you know, Look at Miami last year. Miami uh, defensively mucked up a lot of games and was able, um, especially in that that uh, Milwaukee series, right, knocked Milwaukee right off the rocker. Um, and and that uh, that ability to make teams uncomfortable, especially in an offensive driven league on the defensive side of the ball, uh, goes a long a long way. If the playoffs started today, a little hypothetical here, not a hypothetical hypothetical guy, but we'll do it. Um, is this a Western Conference Finals team if the playoffs started today? No. I don't think it is. I don't think you're consistent enough, especially on the defensive end of the floor, to be a Western Conference Finals team. Uh, because at that point, you need to win eight games in two series to get to that point. I don't think the Clippers have been consistent enough on that end of the floor to say they could win eight games in two series against the teams they're going to match up with. Um, I don't think they match up well with a lot of teams right now in the Western Conference. Um, and so, no, I don't think so. Uh, your star power probably gets you through one series. It didn't even get you through one series last year. Um, so maybe it'll get you through one this year as a higher seed in the in the playoffs. But beyond that, I just don't see them getting any further. Jordan? No, when you combine the, the bad defense with also what you were just talking about, you know, the game gets more physical. Um, and teams can, you know, Harden's not going to get to the free throw line as easily. Uh, I don't, 
I don't think it's the Western Conference Finals team. And also, as you said earlier, I'm not going to bank on their health to get them to the mm-hmm. Western Conference yeah. Finals either. Um, it's important to note if in the hypothetical that it ended today, um, they would be matched up against the Mavericks in the first round. I think that's a you know it's okay, but the way the Mavericks are playing now, we'll talk about this in a minute. Yeah. But the way they're playing now, I don't like that for them. I think it's a winnable series for the Clippers. Winnable, the, the yeah. Next one would be would be hell for them. Either the Thunder or Suns. Um, no, don't like that either. I don't, I don't like either of those matchups for them. Um, we'll have to document how this Clippers team does the rest of the way. They got hot. Now it's time for them to respond and, and see if they're a pretender or a contender in the Western Conference. When we come back, we'll talk about the Mavericks, who've been demanding our attention right here on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com Get the best for your team delivered right and on time So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today Life is more fun with a good life checking account offering extra benefits including bank travel. Join us for a trip to Mackinac Island for a stay at the beautiful Grand Hotel. Travel with us to southern Utah to witness the enormous, colorful, and unusual rock formations. Or join us on one of our many day trips. We're always on the go. Citizens National Bank Banking never felt so good Member FDIC Rev up your savings at Volunteer Auto Group. Your one-stop destination for quality vehicles at unbeatable prices. Cruise through their vast selection. Atlanta Braves spring training is on. And the road to a seventh straight division crown starts in Northport. Acuna hits a high drive to left. They might have just gone deep again. That thing is out of here. We'll have live coverage, interviews with Braves coaches and players, and Grapefruit League action live every weekend leading up to opening day. Atlanta Braves spring training is only live right here. Fox Sports Knoxville, Fan Run Radio. Hello, Fan Run listeners. We want to thank all of you for your support of the new Fan Run Morning Show. In our first few weeks on the air, we've welcomed Hall of Fame coach Rick Barnes, Vol legend Josh Dobbs, Tennessee assistant coach Greg Polinski, and other great writers and experts to our show. And we're just getting started. So if you're missing the morning show, you're truly missing out. Join us Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. on 1340 a.m., 105.7 FM, and on the Fan Run Radio app. Wake up with the Fan Run Radio Morning Show. Back here on overtime, heading into the weekend. Uh, Staying on the topic of the NBA as we round out the hour, 
Uh, the Dallas Mavericks, in the midst of a seven-game win streak accomplished after a 123-113 victory against the Phoenix Suns last night. Um, they are demanding your attention. So sorry for the loss last night. <sighs> Bradley Beal ended up being a late-game scratch, so Tough I mean, one. it affects something a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, look, it's true. Dallas's weird season has thus far avoided uh, demanding those attention. Yeah. It's been injury-riddled. Uh, Kyrie Irving missing 22 games. Derek Lively, um, a 20-year-old, missing 18 games. Um, Dante Exum, who's been a key rotational rotational piece for this team, has missed 24. Uh, wasn't even available for Thursday's game. Um, and Irving and Luca have only played 45 games together since he was traded uh, to Dallas last season. Um, but two weeks ago, Dallas was faced with a trade deadline. The Mavericks swapped for immediate improvements to this to this team, uh, adding PJ Washington and Daniel Gafford uh, from the Hornets and Wizards, respectively. And Dallas has been a dangerous team this season. Every time that Doncic and Irving have shared the floor, it has been ever better, uh, even better, excuse me, uh, when Lively joins them among the team's three-man units that have played at least 250 minutes together. Uh, they have been the Mavericks' second-best trio, outscoring opponents by 12.3 points per 100 possessions. Are the Mavericks flying under the radar? I think they are now. Uh, you know, they're getting to the point where they're kind of one of those teams that we probably should be talking about more that maybe some people still aren't. Uh, really great additions at the trade deadline. I mean, they did yeah. a really good job. Uh, we kind of wondered when we heard what their trades were, you know, is that enough that they didn't get Kyle Kuzma and uh, that they went and got Washington instead? But both him and Gafford have been good additions for yeah. them, I think, and have given them a personnel advantage now where they could match up with some of these higher-seeded teams like the L.A. Clippers if they come up against them in the first round, uh, depending on how – things shake out. I think their their offense has gotten better. It's We said they needed a guy that could go and score and defend. I think they got that. Um, their defense has gotten better. And you know, you've got guys that have been there before. Luka's been there before. Kyrie's been there before multiple times. You've got guys in the locker room that can get you through the playoffs and can get some of these guys with a little bit less experience through. So I think you've got all the ingredients now to be one of those teams that is sneaky, can win a playoff series. Yeah, this team's definitely sneaky. Uh, they can get healthy and get get their best players on the court at the same time and be able to gel together. As you said, you know they're on a winning streak right now. Uh, made some really good trades at the trade deadline. If they can gel together as a team, uh, get healthy, uh, they're going to continue to play well going down the stretch and be a threat to, to be able to make a run and come NBA playoff time. Yeah, this team has always, in my eyes, been a little bit of a weird one. Um, it's it's hard to pair players around Luka Doncic with how ball dominant he is. Um, and I was not a fan of the Kyrie Irving trade last year. I thought that totally um, was just counterintuitive to what you already have. You already have a dominant ball handler in Doncic. Um, now, pairing Ir- – look, the two together, you know, Irving and Doncic, that's a really nice duo. doesn't necessarily work. I didn't think it did last year, and it didn't. Um, and so far this season, we've seen really good moments from them. Last night, Irving was great. Um, and then there have been also been some – uh, questionable nights as well to where you ask, okay, does this really work out long-term? Now, I will say I was a big fan of their acquisitions of the trade deadline. Daniel Gafford, a guy we saw play at Arkansas uh, a good bit here in the SEC, um, he's a guy that's a, a paint protector, rim protector. Um, he's a very good addition for them, especially um, they're they're lacking um, substance and depth at that position. Uh, Derek Lively's been great. He's a rookie. Rookies don't win come playoff time. Uh, P.J. Washington as well gives him a versatile four. I like that move too. Um, I think they're flying under the radar after those acquisitions. Um, 
But look, I mean, it's the NBA. You've got to be able to uh, string together multiple wins, and I think the Mavericks are a team that need as many wins as they can get um, because if they're matched up against um, some of these top three or four seeds, um, I think that's a tough matchup for for them in a lot of situations. I think the Nuggets would completely run through them. Um, the, 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 the Thunder um, pose a big size advantage against them. Um, and then the Timberwolves as well. I mean, Rudy Gobert down low I think would, would cause a lot of problems, especially on the offensive side because the Mavericks don't necessarily have the personnel. I like Daniel Gafford, the addition, um, but there are a lot of defensive concerns about this team. I think offensively they're nice, uh, but defense would be my biggest concern, especially uh, down low. Gafford does help that out, though. Anything to add? Uh, no, I, mean, I was going to move oh, on to okay, Rubik's okay, okay, That's okay, what we're okay. going yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, talk about some of their flaws. There's there's two main ones for me. The number one is they can't stay healthy. I mean, you can't have a revolving door of guys on the floor. Or you're never going to establish any momentum or any gel as a team. So you need to try to get guys back healthy before the playoffs, especially in playoff time. If you're missing a star like that, I mean, you're not going to win a playoff series missing a key guy. The other one for me is because Kyrie and Luca haven't been able to play a ton of games together. They kind of have this awkward dynamic sometimes, yes. where again they haven't really gelled. Yeah, and it feels like. They both want the ball all the time, which mm-hmm. you know I figured would be an issue. Yeah. Uh, when they got Kyrie in that trade, they just haven't had enough games to I think figure that out. Yeah. And so for me, that could really hinder them in a playoff series. No, he set up perfectly. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up here on episode. Uh, I guess let's say a Friday episode of Overtime. We appreciate you joining us for Dawson Wise, Jordan Moore. I'm William Patterson. I will see you on Monday to break down the Vols' big weekend in baseball and basketball.